Welcome back to God Geeks. I have my wife... Junior. Oh yeah, this is a God Geeks Junior episode. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, my wife, Ryan, is here. Um, I can introduce myself. And I'm going to let her introduce herself. <laughs> I am Ryan. I'm his wife. <laughs> yes. And who am I, Ryan? Uh, you can introduce yourself. Okay. Pastor James. Uh, it's great to have you all back. It is the day before Thanksgiving. Ryan and I are at my parents' house Should in Texas. Should we advertise this? Yeah, well, I, that's that's a good question, right? Because we traveled during the pandemic to go to my parents' house for Thanksgiving, which seems... Like we did everything wrong. Like we did everything wrong, right? Yes. Except, you know, there's, there's other circumstances. Uh, everyone got tested for COVID, and then we quarantined before coming here. Um, so it seems safe. Right? But is it? Okay, that's the question. All right. So, good segue, Ryan. I'm glad you <laughs> fell for my trap. Um, I usually do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I don't like ethics. I don't like discussions of ethics. Um, it, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth because my first experience with, um, well, not with ethics in general, but with discussing ethics a lot was in college in an ethics class and it seemed like the entire class was a bunch of scenarios where you would discuss and argue what the ethical solution was to that scenario um, for instance there's the classic you know you're, you're, you're uh, driving a train conducting a train that's the term conducting a train and the tracks are, are diverging and one way kills like 20 people the other way kills a family member which one do you do oh the family member you would kill andrew our son to save 20 well the uh, you, ethical didn't, you didn't answer. listen but there were 20 nazis oh then sure fine well, but they were 20 nazi defectors so <laughs> you know get all the facts before you decide all right well that was also in the context of a large state university well yeah so you know, it wasn't necessarily Christian ethics, if that's a thing. But my problem is that most of the time, when you're talking about ethics, it turns into people posing hypothetical questions and then debating the answers. What's the most right thing to do in that situation? And everyone seems to have a different version of what's right. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes, it seems. Does that make sense? Well, yes. That's why I don't like talking about ethics <laughs> because there's not a right or wrong answer well yeah it's really hard to figure out there's the right or wrong gray. sometimes there seems to be gray and i also like black and white hmm. i really do yes you do um i am also like i got a, a, a huge like thing for justice i don't like mm -hmm. injustice but then you know when you really talk about what is justice it just all falls apart so here's here's the framing of our conversation today then um, I'm in an ethics class, you're in an ethics class, I'm in a Lutheran ethics class, and you're in a ethics class having to do with um, special education and behavior, that kind of thing. Is that correct? Well, yeah, just in the context of like a human service field. Okay, that makes sense. So, all right. The other reason I don't like talking about ethics is in, in the Lutheran circles, we have this, this, it's not just Lutherans, but we tend to use this term law and gospel, the proper distinction between law and gospel, which we've talked about a ton on this podcast. And what I think happens a lot when we get into ethics discussions is it turns into a very law-heavy discussion. And without the proper guidelines, restraints, um, centering in Christ, um, it would be really easy for a conversation in ethics to turn into a conversation about law and how to be a better Christian 
Does right. that make sense? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's a slippery slope to um, a watering down of the gospel. Does that make sense? Right. And because po- if we can earn our our grace, then it waters it down. Right. Or and that would be works righteousness, right? Right. Which if you've listened to this show, we've talked about that before too. I'm also concerned with not just works righteousness per se, but the watering down of the gospel. Like like if if I have any skin in the game, that would mean it's not 100% Christ that saves me, redeems me, sanctifies right. me, etc. Um, so that is my concern. So before we get into the ethics talk, I want to just briefly discuss some of the Lutheran distinctions, Christian distinctions. I'm, I'm saying Lutheran because I'm a Lutheran pastor. The distinctions that I think are important to have um, an understanding of, or at least uh, some understanding of, before we jump into talk of behavior and right and wrong and ethics and and all those kinds of things and and arguably talking about the law does that make sense right yeah okay so i'm gonna quiz you oh wonderful i didn't tell you i was gonna quiz you no you didn't (laughs) i didn't get a chance to study i think you'll know these things okay what if i don't you will and if you don't pastor bill and pastor patrick are gonna be pretty upset because you have sat through (laughs) their bible classes for hours and hours on end and maybe you won't know the term, but you will know the concept. And as soon as I explain the term, you'll 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 be okay. Okay. So everyone who's been listening to the show probably knows these terms too. Okay. The first one. Proper distinction between law and gospel. I already kind of gave it for us. But what, what, how would you, because you're a better teacher than me, how would you describe law and gospel in that relationship or distinction? Well, we live in a world that is both... A world of law and both a world of the gospel. Okay. Um, they live and function together. They can't live without each other, but they... No, well, no. Maybe they can. Maybe so they is, can. This, this is our... Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> but the gospel wouldn't be the gospel without the law. Okay. So I like how you're saying that because... And I'm not sure if other people would pick it apart too much, but what the law does... And this is... We'll talk about the law. The law condemns Correct. right yeah because if we really look at all of god's commandments we can never live up to those standards never live up to them it's it's impossible if you look at the sermon on the mount right christ is like oh you shouldn't murder right well well you don't think you've murdered well if you've been angry with someone else yeah you murdered oh you haven't cheated on your wife well if you thought a bad thought about some other you've cheated on your wife exactly exactly so we can't live up to the high 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 perfect standards of god's law that's why the gospel and grace is so ah exactly yeah. so the gospel uh the 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 good news that christ has done um all the righteousness for you and gives it to you um imputes it on you if, if you've heard that term um, um just a few times yeah just a few, it's a weird term we'll talk it about it another time um that's good news right okay so moving on to the second thing and we didn't fully cover the distinction between law and gospel. That would be like a 10-part series of podcasts. Um, That's an idea. Uh, yeah, yeah. It'd be a good one. Um, the second thing. This is one of my favorite aha moments, light bulb moments, when I started um, my road uh, kind of in the Lutheran church. Okay, two kinds of righteousness. Do you remember what that is? I mean, in well, we just talked about imputed righteousness. Ah, okay, I'm going to give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. Vertical, horizontal. 
A vicarious sati- Well, no, okay. Okay, that has to do with that. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're throwing out all these terms I'm going to have to unpack. <laughs> I'm trying to give you the answers you were looking for. Um, well, Don't use my language. Use normal people talk. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. So the two kinds of righteousness. There's mm-hmm. the vertical, which is between myself and God. Mm-hmm. And there's a horizontal, which is between myself and individuals around me. Yeah, and the world around you. Yeah. Okay, so... The good news, the gospel is that, and it's not just all the gospel, but a good chunk of the gospel is your relationship with God, that, that vertical righteousness. Is it good to go? Because of Christ. Because of Christ. Not because of anything you've done or not done. Correct? Right. Okay. Saved by faith. Justified by faith in Christ. God's grace doing it all. Okay. Good. Horizontal righteousness. How would you describe that? Well, because of my relationship with Christ, he can work through me and impact the others around me. I love how you phrased that. So it's not just that you are now tasked with being good to your neighbor. It's so much more than that. Because of the gospel, Christ works in you, through you, despite you, in this world on the horizontal realm. Right. Cool. Awesome. I love how you put that. So two kinds of righteousness, very important concept to understand as we jump into ethics and behavior, etc. And I think you hit on one of my main points, and it, it comes out in some of the readings we had to do in my ethics class, um, but I think it really comes out in Paul's epistles, etc. God works in us and through us to build the church, to restore this world, to um, give people a taste of the new kingdom that is coming, and that's kind of third article stuff, which we'll talk about another day, um, which is just beautiful, awesome, amazing. Okay, next concept. Two kingdoms. We have to talk, we have to preface everything. This one's this, hard. Why? Okay. This is a hard one. You want yes, me to? it is. Okay, so I don't fully even understand it yet, and I've been in seminary for almost five years now. I meant a new kingdom is not a term everyone throws around. No, all new the kingdom time. isn't one people do. We'll have to unpack that. We're going to do that in the the third article episode of this series. Okay. okay. Um, two kingdoms is a little different. So we're talking left hand and right hand kingdom. We're talking about the church, the spiritual realm, if you will, and then the the earthly realm. And guess who's king of both? Um, well, I think God probably would yeah, be. Christ is king of both. But he works through both kingdoms in kind of different ways. And what we tend to do sometimes as as human beings is confuse those two kingdoms, um, overlap them maybe at times they shouldn't be overlapped and not overlap them times that maybe they, they, they should be. Um, for instance, like if we thought that the government in the United States needed to force everyone to go to church, I mean, it'd be great if everyone went to church, right? But it's not really that kingdom, that realm's job to force people to go to church. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That's the best example I can think of right off the moment. But the cool thing is that God works through both. So our governments, does God work through those? Yes. Yeah. The church, does God work through that? Yes. Yeah. But they're kind of two different realms, two things going on. Okay. And we don't want to completely separate them, but we don't want to completely... um, confuse them or overlap them if that makes sense okay Okay. especially when we're talking about ethics because there's a lot of questions about what laws should be be enacted by our government which ones shouldn't what kind of government should we have those are all kind of questions that kind of pop up in ethics but it's important to understand the church 
and the state are not necessarily the same thing. There's some overlap at times. They're not necessarily the same thing. Would you, can it be parallel? Yeah, at times. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Um, All right. All of that being said, the main thing I want to get across is no matter what you do when it comes to ethics, it's not going to earn your salvation. That's through Christ. Faith in Christ. It's already been done. It's already been done. That vertical uh, relationship with God has already been restored. Now, that relationship with our neighbors, that horizontal righteousness, that relationship with the world would also be kind of horizontal uh, righteousness. That needs some work, doesn't it? Always. Yes, Because there's sin in the world. Absolutely. There's sin and death because of the fall. And, and that kind of changes some things. All right. Now, moving on. I Good. said I, I passed? <laughs> you passed. You, 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 uh, I would trust you to raise our children and, and um, teach them about the Bible. Okay, good. Thanks. <laughs> uh, with me, together. We'll right. do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also would trust you to teach Sunday school, which you have done many times. It's beautiful. Good. good. Yeah. So moving on, we've got a structure to this episode and the next two episodes. Now, part of it is because the course that I'm in, that these episodes will help uh, knock out some assignments for, which is kind of cool. Right. Um, not the only reason we're doing it, because we're also trying to launch the God Geeks Junior, which we're going to get to in a little bit, the junior part. Um, the structure of the course that I'm in, it's really cool. It's kind of three parts. The first part is based on the first article of the Apostles' Creed, which is, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker, maker of, of heaven, heaven and earth. earth. And that's that's the first article. That's it. The second article is about Christ. And the third article is about the Holy Spirit. Well, what is the Apostles' Creed? The Apostles' Creed. Oh, yeah. you got to go back and listen to other episodes for that. But I was just <laughs> trying to expand <laughs> for the listener. We can't re- teach all of Christianity well, in one episode. But the Apostles' Creed is basically a statement of faith, a, a proclamation of our faith, of what we believe. Um, and it, it kind of guides... Uh, a lot of our conversation and thought about uh, both the scripture, scriptures and and Christianity and theology. It's it's a good starting place. A statement. For, yeah, and it's 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 um, like a mission statement. Kind of. That's a good way to think about it. But it's more than that. And we'll, we can unpack that okay, in another we'll another talk about that later. junior episode. So, uh, anyways, we're going to stick to the first article this time, which has to do with God the Father. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth. What do you think of when I say that? Creation. Creation. Good. Awesome. How are things when God made them initially? Perfect. Perfect. And he said what? He called it what? Good. Oh, good. (laughs) Remember that? (laughs) He said it is good. Right? So God cares about his creation. Right? And we see that in, in, in the second article and third article, too. Because if he didn't care about creation, would he have sent Christ? No. Would he have given us the Holy Spirit? No. No. Uh, we wouldn't have those things. The Father would not uh, intervene and care and restore this world if, if, if he just didn't care anymore and walked away from it, right? Mm-hmm. So it behooves us as creatures created by him to also care for the world. And the cool thing is, in Genesis, he also gives man dominion. He gives us the charge to care for creation, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, that 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 right there 
is fully loaded for a lot of discussions about ethics. Like, should we be dropping atomic bombs? Should we be um, strip mining? Should we be... Um, fracking. Fracking or various other things. You could... Environmental stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But also, should I care for other human beings who are also loved by God, right? Created mm-hmm. by him uh, in his image, right? Um, so, okay. This is a little bit of my assignment working in, but I'm, I'm going to read a quote from... Uh, Gustav Wingren. I guess I think this is from like 1910. Sounds uh, German. It is German. I've got it translated in English. It's from one of the readings we had to do, and I thought it really summarizes what I'm talking about. Okay, so here it goes. God governs the world which He has created by means of the man whom He has placed in the world. So, unpacking that, what do you think that means? Can you repeat that? Yeah, God governs the world which he has created by means of the man whom he has placed in this world. It was giving us some charge over what he's created. Yeah, so we as human beings have a responsibility to govern the world, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. But he's the one governing it through through us. Does that make sense? Yes. So, okay, the rest of the quote. This rule over the world takes... Other forms, when man falls into sin, but does not cease or disappear. So after the fall, we still are used by God to govern the world. Right. Right? Um, In the exercise of his rule in the world, God makes use of human power administered by human reason. But this power itself rests on God's decree to maintain life on earth and consequently on his continuing will to create even in the teeth of human opposition this creative will of god is his love and self-giving even when men resist him and harden their hearts against him so even though we're living in a fallen world even though men resist god he still governs this world through us despite us (laughs) um and 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 we are charged with maintaining life that's the big overarching principle of first article view of ethics okay Okay. so we are to maintain and govern the world and maintain life respect life now you're probably asking okay then why in the world are there times in the old testament when god says to kill something right well that was before it's, Christ. It's before Christ, but I mean, you could even say there's, you know, oh, there's a lot of blood stuff going on there. We can talk about that another time in death, etc. But even now, are there times when we have to take a life, whether it be animal or human or chopping a tree down or whatever? Well, yes. Yes, but with what purpose? To maintain life, to support life. To in this context, it's you can justify that taking a life to support life i don't think you could ever fully justify it but yeah exactly so you know some might argue that the death penalty is important because it's going to maintain maintain life life. that's a whole big ethical can of worms and yada 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 yes but the argument the, the the starting point for first article ethics if you will is god loves his creation he cares for his creation. He uses human beings to do that. We are to use our God-given gifts, including reasoning and logic, to care for creation and to maintain life. 
Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. So then you can get into lots of discussions about, well, what can we do as individuals? What can we do as a family? What can we do as a church body, both you know a local church body and the church body as a whole, to maintain life, to care for other creatures, including our fellow human being creatures, whether they be Christian or not Christian, whether they be foreigners or, or, or neighbors, whether they be whatever. What can we do to maintain life now it's just not just that either it's also what can we do to maintain all of creation to care for all of creation so there is an environmentalism aspect absolutely we as christians should actually be and maybe we can take this term back we should be environmentalists absolutely we can discuss things like global warming etc because we as human beings know we as children of god know that we can have effect on this creation because he's given us that power. That power. So we can use it wrong. And, and maybe global warming is a result of that. We as Christians should be the first to recognize that we could be the ones screwing up the we, environment. We most definitely are. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I agree with you on that one. Um, so there's, there's a lot of discussions to be had about various things, including well, what role should government play? What role should the church play? What role should I, as an individual, play? What role should corporations play? All of those things we can look at from a first article perspective of God loves creation. He loves us. We are his creatures, but he uses us to care for the world. Now, how can we do that to maintain life? Does that make sense? Yes. And then maybe we could get into hypotheticals and this, that, and the other with the solid, solid understanding that no matter what decision we make, our salvation, our relationship with God the Father is completely restored and right because of the life, death, resurrection of Christ and our baptism with him. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Okay. Wow. I'm getting off my uh, soapbox away from the pulpit any questions from me from you why would i have any questions i know because you're so smart (laughs) (laughs) so we're going to now move into phase two of this particular discussion um where ryan and i are both going to talk about ways that we can teach this concept to children and youth and ways that maybe you can also do that at home during this time of the pandemic where we're kind of stuck at home a lot Mm -hmm. um, so that our kids still are getting a nice um, solid foundation in theology and the bible and christ so are there i'm putting you on the spot yeah so you've talked about the first article of the creed yeah apostles creed yep no Amet, that is a great reference tool, sure. but are there any other verses or instances or stories you can think of that are a good reflection of this? Yeah, totally. I would I would start in Genesis. Creation. Creation. I think that's a great narrative and account to start with when talking with children about uh, God the Father, right? Right. And later on, I think you can come back to it after you get it jump into the second article and third article and see those, uh, you know, God... Uh, Christ and the Holy Spirit also at work in creation. Um, and then I think I would probably jump to um, Noah. Right, that's, the that, came, that came to That mind. could be a good place to go next. So I think a lot of the ways I teach these concepts is not necessarily to pull them aside and teach a class about ethics to your youth or no. your children. I wouldn't do that at all. What I would do is work your way through the big biblical meta-narrative from creation to recreation 
at, at the right. End. Oh, yeah, the bookends. Uh, right, and with Christ in the center. In the right. I would I would do typical work your way through the meta narrative, and as you're doing that, have discussions about first article, second article, third article, all ethics, throughout. All throughout. I don't think I personally, with children, would say, "Okay, the next three weeks we're going to talk about ethics." Right. It's heavy. I, I think it's something you kind of interweave. Um, and keep going back to keep going back to with a healthy dose of the gospel at the same time mm-hmm. does that make sense mm-hmm. all right with that in mind we're gonna break um i don't know if i'm gonna put a commercial here we're not, we don't have any sponsors hmm. you need to work oh, on well. that maybe i'll put some music and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about can bluebell be our sponsor yeah bluebell <laughs> we get some free bluebell ice cream uh we don't have that in missouri i miss it yep oh well um and then we'll come back and talk about activities you can do with your kids We are back with the God Geeks Junior portion of this episode. The how to teach these huge, heady concepts, maybe distill them down um, and teach them in a practical, meaningful way for youth. And my wife, Ryan, is kind of the expert on, for me at least, the expert on uh, youth curriculum and how to teach concepts. She's so good at like hands-on stuff and activities, et cetera. So I don't know what she's about to to tell us. Oh yeah, I'm not looking at your notes, Ryan. Um, and, but she's gonna uh, give us an example of a way to teach all the stuff we just talked about, the first article way of looking at ethics and right and wrong and behavior, all the, the law basically. <laughs> Go ahead, Ryan. Well, I meant this is has an environmental focus. Just okay, just perfect. In the context of the first Article. So like that horizontal righteousness, environmental caring for the world around us. Right. Element. And the creation like and the, the, and respecting God's, you know, power he, or he's granted us through right. that. Right. Right. Okay. So I think first, I think before you can care for the environment is you have to spend time in the environment and then the world and in creation. So I am taking a digital, a digital wellness course. And I was exposed to this concept recently and I was, I've researched it since then, so it's it's a thing. It's real. Well, okay, I'm going to pause for a second. Is this a, a Christian course you're taking? No. Okay, so this actually gets back to a concept with the two kingdoms stuff. Can we focus no, on no, this no, I, activity? I, I, this is a good... I was playing on this all along. Uh, just because, you know, we are the church and, 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 and we're focusing on Christ does not mean that the world doesn't have some awesome, amazing things to offer that we can use as the church. Does that make well, sense? Well, it's all creation. You're, okay. Yeah. You're, you're hitting the nail on the head. Good job. Okay. So go ahead. Okay. So there's this, this term in Japan called Shinrin Yoku. And it's, it's called forest <laughs> bathing. Forest bathing. Yes. Shinrin Yoku. No, yes, this does not require nudity or anything. No. I'm at forest <laughs> bathing. It almost sounds like a German word too. Okay, so physicians will actually write prescriptions for forest bathing for people who live in Tokyo because it's like a concrete jungle. And there's like no no forest in Tokyo. Right, okay. right. So they write a prescription for like anxiety or stress, a, like a legitimate prescription to go bathe to in go the out forest. into nature. Yes. And there's <laughs> they have done lots of research with this and there's legitimate things. So trees live in the forest, obviously. Typically, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and they make up a family. The trees make up a family. And they protect one another. Trees do. Yes. Okay. They send out immunities or phyto, phytoncides, P-H-Y-T-O-N-C-I-D-E-S. Oh, you're teaching us biology now. 
So they send out phytoncides. And so okay. when you're in the trees, uh-huh. you intercept these immunities that they send out. No way. Yeah. No, it's in the New York Times. I'll okay, cite so the article. Real. Okay. It no, wasn't, it's real. It wasn't like Huffington Post or, or <laughs> Facebook Moms Group. This is, no. this is New York Times. Okay. It's legitimate. So it, it reduces stress hormones and reduces depression. So Just, the trees are actually sending out chemicals that you right. breathe in that actually reduce stress. Correct. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, and so it like, and well, imputes, but that's, <laughs> I shouldn't say that word, I guess. But the immunities that the trees are sending out to protect one another are you intercept them, okay. so to speak. Um, and it re- reduces your heart rate and blood pressure. It gives you a sense of safety and calm and overall well-being. So you're saying to take our kids out in the forest and it's just yes. going to calm them down. Yeah. Just okay. spend time in just the woods, in literally. The woods. Well, we're in this environment of where parents, I feel like, are giving all these, given all these tasks and activities, and it just feels overwhelming. And there's more and more and more things to do. And the all irony you need here to do is I asked you to give them a task and an activity. Yes, all you need to go do is go in the forest, like legitimately. Just spend time in the forest. Just spend time in the forest. Well, you know, like all those like sensory bins that people make. And yeah, things? they're well, just forest stuff. Half exactly. The time. Well, just go in the forest, and there's like a it's huge world of sensory huge bins. Sensory bin. Like my it. favorite thing to do is to take the kids out when it's raining. I mean, the sensory stuff is different in the rain. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you feel everything. You feel the like the air pressure when there's a storm coming in. You feel the rain itself. You hear the sounds splashing okay. in the puddles. Where Just you, go you, out in nature. And then where, where do you go with this? So, like, do well, you then debrief with the kids while you're out there or when you get home what? or what? Well, I think first before you can care for something, you have to be out in it. Ah. So, n- naturally, I think just if you're experiencing <sighs> things, you're going There's to... some discipleship lessons there, too. Oh, okay. But we'll get to that second article. Okay. I mean, just spend time in nature. That's and awesome. It reduces your stress. It calms everyone down. It's time together as a family. You can, of course, you can have activities built in. You could go on a nature hunt and find things and gather things. Mm-hmm. I mean, Andy loves finding treasures. Mm-hmm. So you can have a purpose built in, but it does not a necessity. You can find things. You can find nature objects. You Maggie loves taking a notebook out and drawing. I love it. Good. I mean, there's lots of things you can do within the nature, but, but really the most you're ta- important thing You're talking thing about doing is, an unstructured time in oh, nature. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And then I think the only structure pastorally I would throw in is maybe a little time of prayer or, or just well, do your family Bible study, do the Bible study out there, et cetera. And then the kids are naturally going to have questions about creation yes. while they're out in creation. It and really it's okay just, if you don't know the answers. It's absolutely you can find okay. The you answers. can find them later. And I think this is genius because really all it does is it sets up the setting to have the conversations about care of creation. Right. Beautiful. I love it. Absolutely love it. It's when you when you walk in through through, we go to Forest Park, which is next to to our apartment yes. in St. Louis, um, and the kids will see trash or something. So we could turn that into, oh, is this care for creation? When someone leaves the trash in the middle of the park, how could we, you know, remedy this right. and bring some some uh, first article love, if you will, maintaining life in this moment. I and like I think it. it's a first step. I mean, I think for kids, especially, it's an easy. It's an easy concept to learn to, to care for the environment. I mean, yeah. if God created the environment, he's given us some dominion over that mm-hmm. on the world, and it's our job to take care of it. And that that's an easier concept, I think, for a lot of, especially kids, to swallow and digest. And then I think it progresses towards care of people yes, and individuals. Yes, I think you're right. I was, I was, I was going to say the same thing. It's, it's so much easier for a kid to start with the world they live in, 
nature, et cetera, animals, and to then and then pet. pivot to and then pivot to other human mm-hmm. beings. That makes sense to me. Um, okay, I went the exact opposite with my activity. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure you. <laughs> Can did. you believe it? what's the opposite of going out in nature? Video games. Video games. Yes. <laughs> so a couple years ago. Uh, I ran a Minecraft summer camp, and actually I did it for about four years. Uh, a Minecraft summer camp where I had um, first through sixth graders, about 15 to 20 of them for a week at a time, for a couple hours a day, where we would be in a computer lab with Minecraft on every computer. And I've never had so much fun in my life. I, I've run real summer camps before. This was even better. Um, because what it allowed for was these elaborate situations um, where we could play around in a world and see how things would play out. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? So if you don't know what Minecraft is, it's basically a sandbox game. It's a game where you're dropped into a world and you can do whatever you want. So in Minecraft, um, it's called Minecraft because you mine for different uh, stones and and um, metals and things so you can build stuff. But you also chop down trees to get lumber and you plant crops to... To, to get food and you hunt animals and you build houses and every so often there might be a monster or something. So um, what I like to do is kind of teach these first article ethics questions and all those concepts we talked about earlier within that virtual realm. So I would drop all the kids on an island in the world. I had complete control as the teacher with like God mode. If you, They call it God mode. I don't know if that's okay. sacrilegious mm-hmm. or not. Yeah, probably. But it makes sense though because as God, if you will, I created the world that they were dropped into. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And was I, that perfect? In my mind it was because I made it. <laughs> uh, and I would tell them, look, you guys can do whatever you want. I'm giving you dominion over this island I'm putting you on. Go have fun. And what would happen inevitably is the boys in the class would start mining for diamonds because they wanted to have the best weapons in the game, right? Some of the girls might start farming. Some of the other kids might start building a house or, or, or whatever. But inevitably, there would become a moment where there was conflict. And at first, I'd usually I can control all the settings of the world, too. So I wouldn't have any hunger or death in the world at first. No monsters, nothing attacking mm-hmm. them, etc. Um, but then slowly I would turn on those things. So all of a sudden they have hunger to deal with. All of a sudden they have uh, wolves coming into their camp attacking them. All of a sudden they um, have to maintain life. <laughs> Does that make sense? Right. So what would happen is they would band together sometimes. They would come up with rules because some people weren't following them. And they would inevitably create some type of government to maintain the island that they lived on. And there was always some type of conflict between them that we could then talk about, you know, two kinds of righteousness, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just a beautiful, beautiful fake nature for them to to see all the concepts of caring for creation, caring for each other, um, creating a government in order to do the same things, and what should that government look like. And they came up with lots of different ideas. And it was a great way to teach them that we have freedom in Christ. We have freedom because of the gospel, freedom to do good works. We are enabled by the Holy Spirit to do good works. We have freedom to create all kinds of different types of government, all kinds of different types of laws, all kinds of different types of systems um, and charities um, and, and good works that we can do. And there's not really one answer. 
And I always thought that was a beautiful thing. This an aha moment with kids of, you mean there's different ways to care for creation? There's different ways to care for each other than right. just the one way that I right. I know of? Um, and that was kind of a, a beautiful moment. And I think we, as adults, should remember that right now in the world we live in. There are different ways to govern, different ways to care for life, different ways to, to do these things. Or more than one way to skin a cat. More than one way to skin a cat, although I think I've never skinned a cat, but I always thought it was just head to tail. I, I don't think it's a good metaphor. <laughs> I've always, that's a always, metaphor. yeah, we need a different one. I don't know. There's more than one way to cook an egg. I think that's a better metaphor. It is. Yeah, I'm going to start saying that. Well, anyways, um, we're, we're going to wrap up our time here. I think I did the nerdy part today of God Geeks with, with Minecraft and whatnot. Yes, I think we filled um, that. I think we hit, hit all the, the main points I wanted to hit about uh, looking at ethics from a first article perspective. And I want you to remember the most important thing about ethics. You're good to go with God because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And he has given you his righteousness and he works in you through you, despite you, in this fallen world to start restoring creation now that will be fully restored later, which we'll talk about in another episode. Amen? Sounds good. All right. Thank you, Ryan. This was fun. Yeah, always. All right. Thank you, listeners. And we'll talk to you in a week or two about the second article in Christ and how he forms our ethics. All right. Bye. Bye.